Welcome to another episode of Consider This. Today I'm in the studio with Drew Henderson, who oversees, uh, leads in and over our family ministry team. Appreciate what he is going to bring to the table. And then Ryan Vincent, who works with adult discipleship. We're going to be asking, is Lent or Advent or any of these things that we're describing, isn't that just a Catholic thing? And it really isn't. And so we're going to be using words like liturgical and liturgy and explaining why at Sunnybrook um, we celebrate or we reflect on these two particular seasons um, and hopefully help you understand kind of why they are important, um, why we have decided to be uh, more clear and more intentional about them. Hope that uh, this podcast will be a blessing to you and an encouragement to you um, and somehow educational for you. Enjoy. So you guys are probably two of the most um, on-top-of-it podcast people mm. I know, right? Like, you really are. And and I think both of you, uh, I think, do a great job of, when appropriate, kind of sharing. Yeah. Right? So before we even get into this stuff specifically, what are you listening to that might even be a little bit of a either surprise uh, to our to our to our listeners to our audience. So, uh, can you think of something that's really been a blessing to you? A podcast that you can share? And yes, Drew, I'm telling you, it can be NASCAR if you want it to be. So it can be literally well, whatever I mean, it is you, that can be a blessing to you. Then we went in a certain direction. <laughs> okay, it, it, maybe it's something that no one would expect, but it's a blessing to you. Sure. Uh, what are you listening to? I, I. I try and yeah, I can get into podcast modes and I need to limit myself, but definitely it's I'm on listening season is summer is mowing season is yeah, going on. Oh yeah, definitely into that. Uh, I have listened to recently um, a podcast called the Tylenol murders. Okay. Yeah, Telling the those. story of uh, a guy that put cyanide in Tylenol in Chicago in the early 1980s. And he, there's a lot of connections to not only Chicago, but Joplin, Missouri, strangely enough. Wow. And um, some other places. So that's been fun. I've been listening to that. I, I do listen to uh, one of my favorite NASCAR podcasts is the Dale Jr. Download. In fact, okay. <laughs> the DJD. And, yeah. And on the... It's, Part of the Dirty Mo Media um, is what that is, and uh, so yeah, I listen to that. I okay. listen to that. Some soccer podcasts occasionally. Yeah, um, and then you're always on top of like what's going on with like Kerry Newhoff, and I don't listen to all of his. Yeah. I listen to the ones that I think I would like. Yeah, which isn't yeah that I think I would like. It's not not really challenging. It's like okay, affirm my beliefs that I already have. So yeah. you were one of but my I favorite. To that. You were one of my favorite people through COVID. To kind of hey, what are you listening to? Oh and gosh, you were able to stop. you were able to help me out. Ryan, what are you what are you listening to that you recommend that might be a blessing to others? Oh, um, well, for my sports, that's uh, Formula One preseason testing just started. So the F One Nation podcast is best place to hear Which about. I think could lead into <laughs> if, these if, two if. different views of liturgy. We have <laughs> F1 versus NASCAR. NASCAR. I think we pretty much just put our okay, cards that on the is, table that, as to where honestly, we stand on this thing. That is awesome. That is a great connection. We've got on the one hand, Formula One racing from Europe. On the other hand, we've <laughs> got NASCAR from Alabama. <laughs> they just added a third American race. It's all over the world. They usually only race in one, country, one race in a country per year. 
So it's it's more international. It's not. Uh, I'm assuming Formula One is cars. I feel yes. that need with yeah. being a yeah. soccer fan. I mean, that's where yes. I, I get that worldwide. Soccer is his Formula One. It is. My NASCAR is like gun podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so anything else besides Formula One? Because I don't know if anyone, literally, if, if you do, by the way, I'm just going to say this now. If you are a listener and you decide to take Ryan up on this Formula One thing, I need you to contact me because I really expect no one. Someone may actually listen to what Drew just recommended. I doubt if there's anyone that's going to do that. That's, that's just my okay, my guess. But anyway, one other quick thing before we get into our Another podcast more important that's topic. pretty new that I've really enjoyed. They probably only... 10, 15 episodes in is called Uncanceled History. And they bring in experts um, in particular fields to help us understand why we do not have to hate Robert E. Lee. Hmm. Or why it's just uh, really the the tagline of the podcast could be it's more complicated than you think. Mm -hmm. And they just they just have these conversations with everything that we're trying to dismantle, like we're trying to rewrite history. So they bring in actual historians and say, you, there's more to it than you understand. Yeah. And it's a really good podcast. So Uncanceled History is a really good one. Okay. No, see, I think people listen to that idea. I think that. And and I would even guess that our listeners more are going to check out the Dirty Mo. What is it called? <laughs> Dirty Mo it's Media the, Group. It's the, it's the Dirty Mo Media Group. Okay. There's several more people podcasts attached attach to that. Than the Michael so, Schumacher. Yep. Oh my goodness! And if you don't mind, no, a he's little, a race. Isn't he a Formula One driver? He's actually barely alive. He's in a coma. Okay, but he got in a skiing accident. Yeah, exactly. But but that's that's like a that's like saying you listen to NBA stuff. You know, you love Michael Jordan. It's like well, yeah, that would actually be a close connection. I think Jordan was really popular. In the I know, NBA. but it's it's dated. <laughs> oh, it's dated. It's okay. not. Okay. It's not what they're doing now. Well, let's get on to our topic today, which uh, uh, really is about Sonny Brooks. Um, Newfound, and when I say newfound, years old. It's not. It's not new, new. Um, but we are beginning to even use terms that I would say fifteen years ago, Mister Henderson, before Ryan came on. Although I don't think he's the genesis for this, but definitely there is a connection. Um, uh, we're we're talking about things like catechism. We're talking about things like Advent around Christmas and Lent around Easter, um, which a lot of church traditions use quite a bit, but. Uh, in terms of the tradition that you know Drew and I specifically grew up in, tradition now that you're enmeshed in completely the Restoration Movement, that's not been a part of who we are. Sure. So I'm going to begin by just asking Ryan, explain a little bit about what Advent and Lent are, how they fit into the church calendar, and why you think there might be some importance in mm-hmm. in, in in emphasizing them. Because we, we didn't for a long time. We just had a Christmas service, or we yeah. had a, like an Easter service, but we never had a a, a time of yeah. adventing and then a time of lenting. Yeah. So Advent and Lent are the seasons that lead up to Christmas and Easter respectively. Um, and they're they're They have long historical roots in the church and they have their seasons that are marked by certain tones, certain um, texts from scripture, certain emphases um, and then colors. Yeah. And that's, the it goes all the way down to colors in the sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what they are, and we've always done them. We just started using different words for them and maybe emphasizing different things. But and using even, the using the titles, yes. But you know, even before we began to use the title of the season of Advent, our Christmas series would functionally begin about yeah. December first, yeah. and we would preach from the prophets, heading towards the Sunday closest to Christmas and the Christmas Eve service. And Easter, we used to do um, 
Yeah. Uh, it would always be at least a three-week series. So our our our, uh, our Lenten season was about half as long as the church normally does, but we would always yeah. preach the the betrayal and the trial and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then we even, some years, were preaching the ascension as that was our Easter series. And so we've always done them. Maybe we've just called more attention to things and replaced some some of the language. Drew, how, uh, you know, when I think about uh, Lent and Advent, I think one of the, I think we all do it well, a good job here at the church, but the family ministry team that you are a part of do a really good job of creating resources and kind of tying it into the discipleship process. Tell me how that how that is going, how that is being received by families, whether or not you're hearing back that, yeah, that really has been, that that's been helpful. Because you, you guys really have done a great job adding a level of application sure. to it that I, I think a lot of churches, and again, I may be wrong on this, but I don't know if a lot of churches try to try to take it down and integrate it that 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 far sure so yeah i mean i think families especially younger families uh have this desire and and as kids get older too it sure. just looks differently have this desire to help their children grow help their children to know christ to know him better and to grow together as a family they have this desire and then i think uh, there's a lot a lot of families just okay how do i really do that mm-hmm. like what does this really look like for us and so there always seems to be more of that uh, type hunger whenever it comes around these special seasons and so i feel like there are times where we can capture people's attention that are just you're just more likely to capture yeah, their attention yeah, yeah. i'm more likely to capture your attention going into the advent season or christmas or going into easter than i am probably june 1st when yeah, everyone's yeah. going different places <laughs> and so uh i feel like that we've tried to i don't know if it's anything magic but just provide some things some ideas some different resources for families um at, at the times when people seem to be very open to do that, especially mm-hmm. as their younger families, as kids get older, um, I could just think of a story in my family last year when we did the uh, technology fast. And, you know, I don't know that they were all that excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> and neither was I. <laughs> and their mother. But it's just like as we st- as we start it, it's yeah. like, wow, yeah. this is – we don't sit around and just sort of yeah. talk yeah. Know, like we used to and as technology comes in and things. So um, I think it's just providing some ideas for people that, that want ideas. I think families typically are, are hungry for that type of thing and to do that at – yeah. More opportune times, I would say. Well, and I, I like what you said. You know, part of it is we're trying to capitalize on something that's already happening in culture, yeah. right? And right. so there is. There's a preparation for Easter, mm-hmm. yeah. um, a preparation for spring. There's in a December, preparation kids for, are usually out of school yeah. for a period of time. And I think the other thing that you've noticed, which I think is true, and I think we just need to make the most of the time, is that as young families are wanting to start their own traditions— we're saying, hey, let's put Jesus at the center of this, right? And let's see what it looks like during these very important times of the church calendar. Yeah. So I'm really not surprised when you say, you know, like younger families, because they still haven't quite formed all of their traditions, or right, they're yeah. still definitely open to the idea 
of, I know Andrea and I were, like mm-hmm. what special things can we do at Christmas yeah. to remind them of Jesus? Or what special things can we do at Easter besides just the typical things, having an egg hunt? Yeah. Um, so well, there's there's a hunger there, and I think you guys are tapping into that and providing the resources that, 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 that help with those things. Right. And to do it in the context of a community, whether that's the church-wide or whether that's the student ministries, um, is really helpful because where my wife and I have most interacted with the family ministry team's resources is actually in life group discussions. So you have these five families with kids that are all roughly the same age talking about, well, what are you guys doing? Okay, no, we'll do that too. That sounds good. And then Mm -hmm. there becomes this mutual accountability and kind of, well, that was terrible. Well, let's not do that again. Or you come in and say, that was awesome. I didn't expect to like not having my phone, you know, yeah. all day. So, <laughs> so Ryan, tell us a little bit about, you know, we use the term liturgical. Um, and uh, sometimes people can, I, th- I think, say wrongly. So explain a little bit more about why it's probably wrong to say churches, some churches have no liturgy, and then other churches have a liturgy. Yeah. That's probably too reductionistic. And you really kind of lose the fact that no, everybody's everybody's doing something. You even said, like, we did have something. It just wasn't well thought out. Or it well, wasn't as well thought out as it I think as it was it less formal. Yeah, less I formal. don't think it was not thought out. Okay. But, but yeah. But I, I think you would say that the more we think about it, the more we want to be more intentional. And that's what I mean by not yes. thought out, is that yes. we, we never really tried to capitalize as much as Drew described the, yeah. the time of the year. And, you know, and so in the end, we're looking at it you know, in a much simpler way. So explain... What the word liturgical or what the idea of, of liturgy is. Um, yeah. So some of the misnomers that I hear a lot are that, that or the, the overly reductive explanations of, of liturgy is that's a Catholic thing. That's the one I hear the most. Yeah, yeah. And I always say, well, at some level, so is Jesus. So it can't just be bad because it's a Catholic <laughs> thing. Um, and then they'll say, well, that's something that like is for fancy churches where the, the yeah. preacher or the priest is wearing a robe the whole time. I'm like, I, I get why you say that. But liturgy, it's, it's actually it's a, a, it's a Greek word, letargeo, letargia. Letargia. And it comes from two words that mean work and people. And so it's the, the work of the people. And it, it, it came to be uh, the word that was used to describe the service that the people would offer to their God, particularly in the temple. And so it's... So also known as the... And this, this sounds weird because we usually don't use this term, but it's the cultic ritual. Yes. Meaning the, the action that happens in the worship so yes, service. That's, yeah. ex- that's, yeah. that's the best definition is yeah. the things that you do in a worship service. That is your liturgy. And then... You start to hang adjectives on that word. Well, do you have a high liturgy? That's where your priest is probably in a robe with a um, with a stole. That's the thing that, that kind of drapes over their shoulders. It's usually varying colors, and they'll march in the Bible, and they'll proceed with like a cross in front and light candles, burn incense. Yeah. Yeah. So the like the the slang phrase that's used to describe those kinds of churches is they're interested in the smells and bells. That's their, their worship is marked by the smells and the bells. So lots of um, very highly stylized, very ordered, um, not casual at all. That's high liturgy. We have a liturgy. It's just more of a lower liturgy. And that doesn't mean that I don't hear high and low as better and, and worse. Here as formal, scripted, a little more informal, but probably still fairly scripted. Like I, I, we haven't, I, we have a liturgy. Steve calls it the order of service. That's yeah. our liturgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't have a we don't have a book of common prayer that lays it out for us. But we have a team that 
pretty consistently has a rhythm to yeah. our worship and, and a so, plan. Like we're, we're yes. when when are we going to pray in the service? What are we going to be praying about? Um, and we're not just trying to maximize time. We're yeah. trying to l- bring themes together. Those are liturgical questions. Yes, those are l- l- liturgical questions. Yep. So, okay. um, well, we become more formal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in the last few years, starting probably right just before COVID, we began to be much more formal in terms of uh, colors in the sanctuary, the mm-hmm. new banners that kind of correspond, not kind of, the new banners on the front of the sanctuary walls, which I think look great. Thank you, Kyle. Um, uh, th- those those really do help. And I thought coming in, right, was it last week with the purple? Was that just last Sunday? Yeah. I think it was. I, I just walked in and I liked it. I just thought, wow, this looks nice. Yeah. Um, and I remember feeling that way at Christmas, and it wasn't just the trees on the stage. It was just something more. And so all of those things are, are valuable. Th- this is a little bit of a new-ish thing for mm-hmm. us. So, so what's the value, Ryan? Um, the value of the color, like the changing decor specifically? Yeah. Well, and just, and, well, just being, more, being more high, more intentional, yeah. more formal. The, the colors indicate what time of year you're in. So... There's lots of different cal- – there's actually three calendars that this church follows. There's the civic calendar. There's January 1st is the beginning of 2023, and December 31st will be the its end. July 4th will come. Memorial Day will come. That's the civic calendar, and we have to kind of abide by that. Then we also have the local calendar, which is semester-driven, in large part because we have school systems but also the, the giant Oklahoma State University. So we also, as a church, think in terms of spring, summer, fall. We don't really have a winter semester. We're spring, summer, fall. We have three major chunks of time. And then the third calendar that we introduced a couple of years ago is what's known as the church calendar. Other people call it the liturgical calendar. But it's the seasons of the church. Um, so the just really, really quickly, the, the church year actually begins in um, – in terms of the the, calendar, the months, it begins at the end of November with Advent, and then you go into Christmas, and then there's and we don't have to stop to explain any of these, but just so we have the the pattern. Yep. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Ordinary Time, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, Ordinary Time, and then you start back over. And you start over again, and so it's this cycle. So its value is that um, the reason that churches have been using this for thousands, not thousands, about fifteen hundred years probably is that it puts a rhythm on the year and they it gave it, it gave them a a preaching cycle and so advent begins the the story of the life of Christ which culminates at Easter and then Pentecost begins the story of the church which ends at Christ the King Sunday in the last day of the year the very end of ordinary time so they have these two big halves the story of, of the gospel and then the story of God's people. Story of the gospel, story of God's people. And it just puts the church in this rhythm. Yeah, which which frees us from preachers always preaching what they want to preach. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it literally frees us from the, I guess, the danger of um, kind of selectively picking our texts and going, yeah. no, like every year we have to talk about. And, and it really, it describes the most important things. Yeah, And so we're saying, yeah, we're going to draw more emphasis to that. I can't help but think that this is a little bit of a personality thing, and that's why I think the NASCAR Formula One analogy is just really, really good. Um, because you know, both of you have a, a, a really a, a strong devotion to God and to training up people, right? Both of you do. 
Um, it's what I really uh, admire about both of you. Um, and yet you both come with your own, with your personalities. Mm-hmm. And so part of the liturgical thing, when somebody says to me, man, I really love more, or I miss the high church things, I miss the reciting of the, the Nicene Creed, or I miss the reciting of the Lord's Prayer, they're talking about a formalized thing. And, and I, I just, it's not just their, their background or their tradition. I find it to be very much a personality thing. Yeah. Um, Add to that, that I also am more interested, uh, more than average interested in the arts okay. in general. Yeah. No, 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 totally. So I like the smells and bells. The so. smells and bells. You're going, yeah, like who's not into the smells and bells? And other people are like, yeah, not not so much, right? Yeah. And I or, probably I probably actually sit pretty squarely between you two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, Drew, tell us tell us how you would even say, "Hey, listen, I mean, I mean, you you you're not you're not objecting to any of these things, but you really do bring um, kind of more of a no nonsense, common sense approach to 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 the to the team to our to our staff." Um, as you're trying to do it. So you're willing to go along. You get the value of liturgy and the value of Advent. You're, you've never once been like, yeah, let's not do that. But you are kind of reminding us of the context in which we live in. And these, this is the audience in, w- in which we're at, which Ryan and I are, are aware of. But you do a really good job just kind of, if I can say this, bringing us back to earth. I know that's too simplest, uh, simplistic way to describe it. But tell us what, how, how do we need to be careful that we don't get too wrapped up in this or that we don't take it too far and kind of... What are some of the concerns that you would say we need to be aware of sure. as ministers? Does this go back to the like awkward like interaction we had? Remember when we were picking between pews and fold down seats, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, "You always say that I'm the analogy guy. Uh, you are yes, hitting it. This today. is again. You are F1 hitting it. Today. I'm like now. This is like where we can get a brand new car from 1972 <laughs> or a brand new car from 2023. Which should we do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 1972. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, how, how do we keep from, do we ever take this too far? I think one of the things as leaders that we always have to keep in mind, and I think sometimes we can be a little bit blind to this, is we get we are somewhere before everyone else is. Okay, all the time, we are we are there as pastors. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. And so having these conversations, reading these books, doing all these things, we are at a, at, at a, yeah. a place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that most people are not right. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is we hear questions like, "Now, where did this come from? Yeah. How are we doing this? this? <laughs> why are we doing this? Yep. And as pastors, I think that we are passionate about our work. I think we, by our nature like anyone in their work, get excited about new things, yeah. get excited yeah. about new ideas. Yeah. Um, Even if they're and, old ideas, yeah, re exactly. yeah. it, This is not a new idea, clearly, but it is a new idea. Yes, it just happens totally, to be very old. Totally. And so I think people come to this um, just trying to catch up a little bit. Um, they bring a lot of their own, I would say, past and story to this and yes, their experience yes, with it. So yes. as I kind of come to this from my background – um, having a once-a-year church attendance experience in a mainline liberal denomination. That's that, your upbringing. Yes, yeah, that would yeah, be yeah, my yeah. my upbringing. And um, depending on who's listening to this, I'm not saying that everyone in that <laughs> church it was an unbeliever. Sure, sure, sure. Or sure. that there were no people that held the Scripture sure, in that church. Sure. But I, I can confidently say that as a denomination, they had a very high view of liturgy, and a very low view of Scripture and yes. the Bible, and yes. had abandoned those yes. things yes. years yes. before. Yes. So I personally connect, yes. and I I got to get through it. A yes. 
a liturgy to a non-believing experience. Yes. I had a conversion experience in a very, like, God literally, within a period of eight eight months, changed my life in a very low church environment. Yeah, yep. And so, and and I'm not saying that everyone in the church is like me, but I'm saying we all bring something yes, to this yes. of what this means and my experience with this. And for me, liturgy was connected to really non-belief or walking into a church yep. service that I did not understand, yep. memorized prayers. Going through the I, motions. Going through the motions, rituals. memorized prayers that I felt stupid because I didn't have the prayers memorized. Yep. Yep. And I went to a place that seemed to, like, okay, wow, I can understand this. Yeah. Like, this is the gospel yeah. that I've never, yeah. okay, yeah. wow, this is amazing. So I think, uh, I, I don't think that, that this would be a downside of liturgy. I think just as leaders, we need to be aware yeah. of where people are and then where we are seeking to lead them. Um, and then I, I think it's really important to remember that I think there's an element that we put this out there and we lead in this and then we let people come to this. Yeah. Um, I remember kind of coming to Christ immediately, basically like two months later, going to Bible college, kind of leaving th- this. Um, I wish I this, mean, we had some overlap in college. I oh wish I would have known this, this about is, you. It would have been so fun to have conversations. No, but as I think about this, kind of leaving that, that idea of liturgy that I had seen once a year for 10 years behind and following Jesus. And then I remember having a class with uh, J.K. Jones, who at the time seemed to be kind of writing things about monks and all of these different things. Like, what what is going on with this guy? And then he gives us a book by Eugene Peterson. And I can remember reading through that book and just sort of like, wow, this is a guy who believes the gospel, who is committed to the gospel, yet he does seem to have some of these deeper roots in in his faith. And so I remember coming to that and thinking, wow, like there's something about reading the Psalms. There's something about (laughs) saying the Lord's Prayer that really just... When I don't know how to pray, I, I pray that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so um, I think there has to be that element, too, of leading people in a direction and then, and then you know, see, seeing where, they, where the, God takes them in yeah. this. No, I think, I, I think that's what I really love about it. And, and I think part of, the, part of the reason why, you know, we kind of have both of you in this podcast today is because there is a, um, by far and away, um, uh, unity right? There's a kind of the same appreciation. And yet there is a different flair, whether it's because of your background or your background or your interests or your interests. And I think you both are a strong representation of many, many, many people here at the church, you know, and I'm married to a Drew Henderson in that sense. Andrea came from a Lutheran background. I wouldn't say it was probably, uh, she had Christian parents. And Mm -hmm. so there was maybe a little bit of a closer connection to it, but not an appreciation of it. And so whenever we do more of our liturgical type things that I'm really getting into because I never had it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is so new and fresh to me. Mm-hmm. And I know the meaning behind these symbols. And I, I, I do. I still I – st- I remember watching Catholics cross themselves um, or Anglicans kind of growing up cross themselves. And it did seem a little bit weird to me, but it also seemed special. To right. Me. It seemed like they were they were doing something and reminding themselves of something. And so I I could almost see the difference between the person that's just kind of mindlessly going through it, yeah, and the person who is reflectively going through I, it. I don't see any difference between that and people taking off their hat to pray. It's a yeah. prayer ritual or closing your eyes. Yeah. 
right? Like closing your eyes or looking down versus looking up or so there's, yeah. Or the rocking when you're in Israel, you'll see like a lot of people when they're praying, they kind of get into this, this swaying into Mm -hmm. this because it's just how they've been taught to pray. Um, and so, you know, that's the part that I think about is that whenever we plan these more liturgical, uh, liturgical Advent service or liturgical, uh, um, Lenten service, like right around good Friday, my wife comes and she mostly enjoys it ish. And yet it doesn't speak to her the same mm-hmm. way that I'm really kind of drawn to it. And I need to remember, probably the majority of people in our church are kind of more like her yeah. for lots of different reasons. And yet, I, so I really am grateful for how much, you know, someone like Andrea gets it, understands the value of it, and yet doesn't go, yeah, more of this and, and this at all costs. And so that's sure, where I yeah. think about the com- the common sense approach that you're bringing I to think, it. I think a number of people, maybe even the majority of people, feel that it, it loses some authenticity in in worship it feels forced and and especially if it's not explained right yeah so um you know there have been times where uh in a service i have read a prayer that i had written and that was the prayer i wasn't reading it to inform i was reading it as an act of praying and the the response from some is why'd you why'd you have to write that out yeah. Like that, that seems disingenuous. Yeah. Yep. And I, I understand, I disagree, but I understand what you're saying, why, the, why it seems that way. There is a spontaneousness in our culture that just seems more authentic, mm-hmm. right? It's not necessarily more authentic. It can just actually be yeah. more just spontaneous forever what it is. Um, and that really kind of brings the, the importance to it. So we don't, ha- we're not adding a new, we got Lent, we've got Advent. We're not making up a new one. <laughs> kind of throwing it in the middle of the year. You want to? I yeah. There really youth is quake Sunday. Youth quake. <laughs> part of Which our actually, liturgy. Well, it is part of our liturgy, right? It is. We have a youth quake. That's we, a great we point. Make Kyle have make some youth quake specific banners. And I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I would even tell you is kind of go back and look at your history and try to think like whether you grew up in like a cowboy church or a life church or a Methodist church or a Catholic church. Realize like everything that they're doing is for probably a reason. I don't know how well they've thought it out. And so in the end, it's like, yeah, we're all going to dress like this. We're all going to talk like this. We're all going to pray like this. We're all going to sing this number of songs. We're going to sing them in this order. Here's where we put communion or here's why we don't have communion. We always skip the third verse in the head. Yes. I mean, (laughs) so these become, you know, just signs. And so what we're saying is we, we really do. We want you to understand why we believe a little more attention um, with a little more uh, kind of like a, the the specificity, whether that is the shape of the room or the color of the room or, you know, something like that has a meaning and a purpose behind it. We need to do a better job. I thank you for reminding us, Drew, that, that there are a lot of people that are not on the same page that we're on because they didn't read James K.A. Smith's You Are yeah. What You Love. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, that book really did affect us. Mm-hmm. I know that in the end, whether it's the shopping mall or the um, the – the football stadium, there is something that is happening to us by the way that we shop, watch sports. You know, if you think about it, like liturgy is, is every is, is in many, 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 many different ways. Um, it kind of shaping us. So we're, we're talking about like the, the cultic practices in a religious context, but you can think about, that that happens in the military. It happens in schools. It happens, it happens everywhere. And that's, that's where, um, like liturgy books that promote it say like every like liturgy the the reason that it's worth paying attention to 
um, is that everything that we do, all the work of the people, to go back to its original definition, is forming us in some way. Yeah. And they said that's that's an important thing to pay attention to. So what what are we? How are we trying to be formed? Any last thoughts, guys? Um, my my last thought is is as you, as we kind of go into some of these areas, um, don't be afraid to to press in a little bit. I went to a uh, Roman Catholic Ash Wednesday service for the first time uh, a year ago. Yeah, and it it was beautiful. The yeah. building was beautiful. The service was beautiful. That, that was one thing I realized. And then the second thing that I realized is there is a reason why I'm not Roman Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And in a in I'm a okay, fine but not that. me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, we, that, we went. That to, is that's a great point. I went to the, this year's Ash Wednesday service at St. Francis with a couple of uh, a couple other secret Protestants, and uh, we were leaving, and and somebody um, remarked, "Man, that would have been beautiful if it had had a great sermon in it." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, I think part of the reason why, and some a lot of you know this, but maybe not everybody knows this, is that. You know, as a staff, we have a special prayer chapel, and we are going through the um, the Book of Common Prayer. Um, so that's kind of one of those things. It's an Anglican thing, and Ryan and I are both finishing up some degrees at an Anglican school in Pennsylvania, and that's been a strong influence. And a lot of what I have fallen in love with are a way to think and a way to pray um, from a 16th century, right, 1500s mm-hmm. document, 1600s documents. It's been revised a little bit throughout the 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 last 400 500 years um and it really has it's it's but again it feels new to me it feels somewhat fresh to me even though it's older um and it it has helped me think it has helped me pray it has revitalized my love for the psalms um and so there really can be something very powerful and uh and important but I, i wouldn't be surprised if in 50 years time when you know all of us are gone that the the, the pastoral staff here just go, yeah, why are we doing that? Yeah, because Jim and Andrew and uh, Ryan decided – I just called you Andrew. Uh, we just decided that we were going to – because that is your name. That is. That is yes. your name. Uh, I like to just call me Andy. Nope, that's the one I don't go by. Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever called you Andy, <laughs> except for here on the podcast. Yep. But anyway, uh, 50 years from now, and they don't do the – why are we doing this? Well, because there was, there was a group of people that did it a long time ago. Yeah, we're, I think we're done doing it. And I'm not going to be upset about that. Like I'm not going to be. I, I get it. It's gonna. It's gonna form for a season, and every generation needs to figure out how they're going to do it. Let's let's try to honor God with absolutely everything. Let's ask questions. I think it's great if you just say, "Man, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me understand why it has value and importance?" Because I've had to learn, just like you at a Nash Wednesday service, I had to be taught the value and the importance of it. And the more that I kind of leaned into it, I like how you said that, Drew, to lean into some of these things. Um, I think then we begin to find the value and appreciate it. Um, so anyway, I hope this has been helpful for you. Um, if you have any questions, man, the three of us or I think anybody on staff would love to, to talk with you more about it. Hope you have a great uh, rest of your day, week, month, year, whatever it is. Lent. Lenten season. Yeah. Go get them. <laughs>